Welcome to the One Big Thing Podcast, where inspiration meets transformation. I'm Steve Campbell, your host, and I invite you to embark on this exhilarating journey with me. Are you searching for that extra spark, that push to propel you in the right direction? Look no further. The One Big Thing is all about bringing you incredible guests from diverse backgrounds. So picture this, professional athletes, visionary business leaders, fellow podcasters, and even awe-inspiring stay-at-home moms who are all conquering life's challenges. Get ready to seize your moment of greatness. Don't miss out. Subscribe and follow the One Big Thing podcast today. Well, welcome back to the One Big Thing podcast. Steve Campbell, I am your host. My job is to literally get out of the way of this conversation and help tell the story of another person. And, uh, Honestly, uh, as the host of this show, I'm going to be very honest at the forefront that I hope with my guest today, I just told him before we came on, I said, I, I really want to just honor you and get out of the way and tell the story that needs to be told today. Uh, joining me in the One Big Thing podcast studio is JC Glick, uh, kind of a cool connection. If you guys remember a couple episodes ago, I had the privilege of interviewing my old uh, Division One lacrosse coach, Jim Stagnita, who had made a significant impact on my life. We went through some really hard things together under his tenure when I played for him. And who would have thought a decade you know, later or more, I'd have an opportunity to really have a, a conversation with him now as a dad and as a husband. And at the end of um, all of my recordings, I always ask my guests, Hey, is there anybody else that you think that, you know, I should interview them and tell their story. And he said, yeah, you need to interview my business partner, JC. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's have him on the show. And I always try to do my bit of uh, due diligence and background. And uh, today is going to be um, a really eye-opening conversation, I think, for many of my listeners that are, you know, in the thick of uh, raising kids, having jobs. Today, you're actually going to hear from a 20-plus year veteran uh, who served in the military and had more active duty uh, overseas than I can even count. And so, again, if you've never served in the military, please do not check out of this episode today because I've said with every one of my guests, you can draw inspiration from everybody. And I truly believe that his story today is going to help a lot of people because he's He's more than just a veteran, which I want to honor and respect, especially with this being Veterans Appreciation Month with Veterans Day. Uh, but to allow him to tell his story and then share what he's working on today and how that's translated into the calling on his life now. So uh, welcome to the uh, studio, JC Glick. Why don't you take a, a couple minutes here at the beginning to let my listeners know kind of who you are? Yeah. So thank you, first of all, for for having me. This is, this is awesome. And I appreciate uh, Stags for for giving me that, that shout out. He's such a, such a terrific human being. I really enjoy him. Uh, and I enjoy working with him and have for years. Um, so yeah, um, I did, uh, I did 20 years in the military, um, primarily in special operations, either in the Ranger regiment or the asymmetric warfare group, uh, finished off in the army. I, um, I led what was called uh, at the time Victory College. I think it's now called Victory Brigade. But um, we housed the U.S. Army Fitness School, the Training and Doctrine Leadership School, and uh, the Resiliency School for the military, um, you know, um, which really set me up well then to um, consult. I wrote a couple of books. Um, you know, started, you know, did what all special operations guys do, you know, helped found a, a, a coffee company, uh, with a, a ranger buddy of mine from first ranger battalion a guy named Joel Carpenter. Um, 
and uh, you know, now try to take, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to do 11 combat tours and uh, 11 combat tours. You get to see uh, amazing things from amazing people. And one of the things that I realized is such a small percentage of the population gets to, gets to experience the absolute best and the absolute worst of people. So Mm -hmm. our ideas that most of the, most of society has are, are shaped by, if not our own experience, what somebody else has told us or what we imagine it to be. And I realized that I had an opportunity um, to share some of the experiences I had and how they're applicable in, in life. Right. And I, I kind of took that from, you know, stoic philosophers who, you know, all the stoics uh, with one exception um, were, were all warriors. They'd all been to battle. And so that they understood, hey, this is kind of what living a good life is. This is what you should focus on. And and, the, and a lot of the things that we think, uh, maybe we need to question them a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And and obviously, you know, I've been I've been fortunate enough to find people who were willing to listen and were willing to kind of support that because some of the ideas that I've shared from my experience are are really contradictory to things that we have been told our whole lives and certainly go against um they're certainly provocative um to say the least and i think they make people uncomfortable and and so i appreciate when when the ideas are at least discussed and and thought about yeah well so you're my first veteran that's been on this show. And again, I had a background serving uh, for a nonprofit years ago, a veteran support group. And uh, both my grandfathers uh, were World War II veterans. And I had never served myself, but through the veteran support group, we were able to basically hear the stories of veterans that really struggled when they came back stateside uh, from really what had shaped their identity, whether they recognized it or not, and then just kind of re-emerging themselves into society with family and friends was a struggle for them. So we were an organization that was there to kind of be the bridge financially, you know, for veterans that maybe weren't able to pay their utility bill that month or their car lease payment. We, we had basically money set aside. So I say all of that because my heart was broken hearing the story of on the outside, really, um, men and women that physically were in incredible shape, but mentally and emotionally had just seen things, right? That they they didn't have anybody to talk about. And I know from some of the podcasts that you've been on, again, and doing a little bit of my research, you know, you hear how many uh, active tour duties that you've done and the things that you've seen. But I know some of the things you talked about uh, on your previous podcast was just when you came back home, when you reemerged, and now with doing Prodromo's leadership with Jim Stagnita, you're in working with corporations and businesses, probably sharing many of the reflections of things you learned on your tours of duty. So, you know, we gave you a very high level overview at the beginning, but I want to do you justice by giving you kind of time to talk about over the years, kind of what brought you to this point, the projects that you're working on and in, in maybe just what you're seeing and hearing from maybe just not veterans, but even just men and women that are in the working field that have you know, maybe similar struggles, even though they don't have a bag and a gun strapped to their back. So I don't know where that leads you. Oh, it, I got to be honest with you. You know, I, I always think everything happens for a reason. And, and Steve, mm-hmm. what, you, what you've done, and I, I shared with you as we were coming on, I was just working on an article. Um, so 
so this this is what the article is about. And I, I, you know, let me start with saying I, I write a lot of stuff that's inspirational and aspirational, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to have a, an article coming out this week about, um, you know, finding purpose. And instead of looking for, you know, we have this, we have this culture that tells us, Oh, you got to find your grand purpose. You got to find, you know, what's your purpose? What's your purpose? It's like beating these kids up, beating us all up. And the truth is that we have to find purpose in every single moment, right? Right now, our yeah. purpose is to have a conversation, and that's a good enough purpose. Yeah. And 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 the collection of small purposes over time is a huge purpose, right? Instead of looking for this, well, my purpose is to save the planet. Holy cow, man, that's 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 awesome. But how about your purpose right now is to take out the trash? And hmm. and so I write a lot of stuff like that. Um, I, I've been on some some uh, podcasts and written about you know being intentional in my actions and and positive thought and and all these things. And what I have been is true, right? I, I've been truthful in that I believe that these are great inspirational and aspirational thoughts. But my wife Jen, uh, who's amazing and like she is my she is my rock. Um, she kind of called me out after this last article and said, you know, you don't always do this stuff that you're saying. And I'm like, well, of course I don't, but everybody knows that. And she goes, do you think everybody knows that? Like, do you think everybody knows? I'm, and and so, so I came back at her because, you know, I'm, that's just what we have. And I go, look, I'm very, I'm very honest about, you know, I have, I had four suicide attempts, you know, two, um, two while I was still in uniform and two as soon as I got out of uniform, um, that I, I think are important to share that I struggled with, with purpose and with a whole bunch yeah. of other stuff. Um, and she goes, yeah, but, but what about in the daily? Like sometimes, you know, you go through these periods of, of, uh, you know, I, man, I'm not cut out for the civilian world. I'm a guy who, I'm like a guy who's peaked in high school. You know, I'm like a guy who, you know, and everything that I was good at, no one in the civilian workforce needs. You know, like, like I, I do engage in a lot of, uh, negative self-talk in the, in a moment. Um, it doesn't mean I don't believe what I wrote and it doesn't mean I don't try to do it. And I always thought that it was implied that well, I'm on this journey with the reader, right? So, so whatever the, the reader's struggling, I'm struggling too, right? We're, we, but here's a way to look at it that, that might help us. And, and I think that if you look at somebody from the outside, and I don't care if you're a veteran or, or, or you're a civilian, if you look at somebody from the outside, all you ever get to see is the image that they provide you, right? It's a perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not truth. And your thoughts on that perspective are opinion, also not truth. Hey, by the way, how they see themselves is perspective, not truth. And how they put that together, right, is is opinion, not truth, right? So this idea that there is no truth, it, it's only perspective or opinion, which is something that Marcus Aurelius alluded to in his meditations. And I think that if you looked on the outside, even some of the stuff I say, and I look at it as every accomplishment I've ever received is it was luck or timing. And sometimes I feel like, well, maybe somebody felt bad for me or just like I, they wanted to, you know, 
give a little bit more diversity to, I know that here's the middle-aged white guy talking about diversity, but, you know, because of my, my combat status or veteran status, it, it brought diversity to an idea and, and maybe I was selected for this or, or got the job for that because of my background, what I've done and, and as opposed to who I am and what I can do. But that might not be what people see. What might people see is, well, here's a guy and, and he, he, you know, transitioned and he made this much money and he was part of, he was selected for this organization and he does this and this. Yeah, I am. I mean, there were times when I really struggled, but to think that I don't still struggle, that my life, no one's life is perfect. And mine is, you know, I'm very happy, but I screw up a lot. And I think that it's really important that, and and I'm so thankful that you asked this question because this is something that I'm really realizing after, you know, being out about eight years now, veterans and civilians, we struggle with the same things. Um, our experiences are different, but you know, we want to be good partners. We want to be good parents. Um, we want to be good humans. We want to be good citizens. We want to be thoughtful. We want to be kind. We want to provide. We want to have, you know, homes or or places that we feel safe like that's universal those are universal those are universal and i don't care what culture you're in and i think that one of the things that separates us one of the many things that separates us more and more in the current society is we think that and it let me let me caveat this you know there's a difference in my mind between being having an ego and being egocentric. We all have ego. It's not bad. It's only bad if we allow that ego to become egocentric. I am the only thing that, that happens. Mm-hmm. So what, what we have to do is we, we have these experiences and we think that we're unique in our experience. Like I'm a veteran and no one understands except other veterans. Probably not. That, that, that maybe aspects, right? There's aspects yeah. of your life that maybe somebody doesn't understand or or maybe they can't even imagine. But there's probably lots of aspects of their lives that you can't imagine. And, and, and but we're all like on this journey trying to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I do it too, right? I think, well, you know, and I hate to say it this way, but it's true. Like, well, I'm special. Like my problems are different because I'm a, I'm a veteran as opposed to my problems are no different. They're just mine. So they're important to me, but they're probably not different than, than your problems, you know, or, or, and my problems when I was 30 something, probably really similar to your problems when at 30 something. And, and I think that we allow this, this bifurcation of experience, right? No two people have the exact same experience. I can put two people in exactly the same situation and have all the same stuff going on around them and they won't have the same experience. So if we allow that to be the discriminator, then why are we connecting with anybody? But I think what we have to do is, is we have to do two things. One, we have to recognize that, man, like we're not special. Like the reason these problems feel special is because they're happening to us. 
and it's okay. You can focus on your own problems. Like that makes sense to me, right? Like mm-hmm. I, like I sometimes will not have time to worry about Steve's problems. I'm, you know, that, that doesn't mean I, I don't like Steve. It just means, Hey, I, I'm, I'm being faced with this right now. Yep. And we've got to work towards something better. And, and the other piece is we've got to aspire and inspire to do something better. Recognizing that we will probably not live up to those aspirations all the time. And so, so I don't live up to the things that I try to share with people all the time. In fact, you know, sometimes I fail miserably at it. And that's why I have teammates like my wife, Jen, or, or my, my kids or my stepkids or my good friends who kind of remind me like, didn't you once say, and it's like, I, 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 I probably need to be better at that. So, so I think that this, this idea, and I know I've talked for too long and I apologize for that, but it's something that's like forefront in my mind right now is this idea of let's not assume we know a person's story because we see things. Let's, in fact, if we have to assume anything, because we're humans, let's assume that that they've got a story and they're probably as flawed as every other human is. Yeah. And I, I, so I want to give a shout out to Jen. This has happened on almost every single show spouses. We need you. Sometimes (laughs) it's, sometimes it's not easy because you get the raw side of who we actually are. And I tell people all the time, faith is the biggest part of my life. I was actually hosting a group for my church at my house the other night. And we were talking about this difference between the projected view that we show the world and our actual authentic view of who we actually are. And I think it's the bridge between those two things, which is where mental health, emotional health plays such a a big role, right? Because if I am making a podcast, helping inspire people, and uh, you only know me from the one big thing. That, that's great. You have a very high level overview of who I am that you listen. It's engaging. It's fun, but you're not with me when I'm with my wife or when I'm with my kids and I, and I fail as a dad, or, you know, I don't communicate well with my wife and it's hard when you're married and it's like, Hey, you can do all of this with all these people, but like it matters so much more here, you know, and those are the, aren't the things that people see. So I think it's, I think it's when you have those choices, when you're faced with, Maybe the ugly truth of, man, I, ha- I have not been the kind of person <clears throat> that I thought I could be. I have two options. I can just feel bad and continue the action or find ways to really help try to improve, whether it's communicating with my spouse, being present with my kids. You know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later. But I know for me and your story, you know, one of my things is when you are somebody that is influential, you're a communicator, it is super easy to be tied to technology because it's where you can unfortunately find value. So you can, you can be searching, Hey, how did JC show? Um, how was the effect on listeners? Did people listen? Did they engage? And meanwhile, your kid is trying to talk to you and you're like, hold on one second. What are, what are we doing? Like, yeah. what are we really doing? And that that's part of it where it's like, man, sometimes you're faced with like, boy, there, there are some things, there are some uh, habits I'm allowing into my life that is really limiting the kind of uh, person I could be. And one of the things that you had talked about is, is kind of, it's, it's a twofold part. It's this vulnerability. And I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword that sometimes we can be like too vulnerable where we share too much 
And it just, you put too much out there all the time and people don't know because everything's a big deal then, right? It's like, if you called me and you're like, man, I'm not doing well, we probably don't have those conversations too often where I'm like, okay, this is, this is like legit. Like he needs me right now. But if it's every day, you know, it's, it's this, you're oversharing, you can almost become hardened to a way where it's like, well, that's just kind of what he does. But then you can also be not vulnerable whatsoever. And people don't know what you're struggling with. And we can, we can get to this point in just a second because you touched on it, which is the suicide attempt. So I'll come right back to that. Stay with me for just a second. I think the other part though, that I was listening to is we can have an appreciation. This is something that I teach my staff every single day. What makes the Avengers a powerful team is everybody know who each other is, right? Like to me, if we were the Avengers, you'd probably be the Hulk, right? If something physical has got to go down, if we got to smash some stuff, JC, I'm sending you in. But that doesn't mean if I'm a different character that has different skill sets that we have to constantly be at odds with each other because our skill sets don't match up or our stories are different. And I think what true friendship really is in finding community is finding people that can appreciate that our stories are different, but it makes us unique. And like, how do we celebrate those things? I don't feel lesser when you walk into a room because you served in 11 active tour duties and I didn't. I can just be like, dude, you share as much as you want. I'm sure there's some things that are off limits, but I know that that shaped you into the man that you are today. And you're somebody that I would run with because you've been through some hard stuff. Right. And so what can happen though is if we're not careful with colleagues, with siblings, with old college, you know, friends, is see what they're doing today and be like, but that's not what I'm doing. They seem better than me. And so we got to be careful just to appreciate. But I want to come back to again talking about the, the suicides because I know that you do a lot of speaking events. Have you been, and I didn't ask you this question, so I always preface it beforehand. I didn't ask you this before we recorded, so you answered how it is. But when you do these public speaking events or even just people reach out to you, is it is it surprising to the average person probably how often people say, JC, I was right there too. I was suicidal. And when you start to peel the onion back, it's like, if you looked at their social media account, they're married, they have children, they have all the good things in life. Is is it is it surprising and alarming to you how often people reach out to you or how we can all be aware that this people are actually going through deeper things than we even realize? And like, how do you, you even begin somebody who's been through that to begin to identify and nurture maybe that projected view that the world sees versus, man, there's some real hurt people out there. So what's that experience been like you as you've opened up and shared that this was a part of your story? Yeah. So, so there's two things and and you, I want to touch on this first is, you know, there's honesty and transparency, right? Honesty from the, um, from the Latin root, you know, on air, which is to honor somebody, right? So I'm going to share with you information that I think is appropriate, but I'm going to honor who you are. So maybe I, I won't be vulnerable because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I, I want you to feel, um, I don't want to make you feel like, oh, this is too much information or everything. Like, so I'm going to honor you. I'll be honest, but I may not. So we're at a bar and, you know, I, down a couple of beers and a shot and I asked for another right away and the bartender goes, everything okay? And I go, I'm having a tough day. That's honest, right? If I come at him and I go, 
my wife's cheating on me, my kids, you know, flunking out of college, my business partner stealing from me. Now I'm being like transparent. And I think that there's very, there's times you have to be transparent and there's times you have to be honest. In most of the writing I do, I'm honest. I, I tell people what I think is important to the idea that I'm, that, and in a lot of my speaking, I, I tell people the things that I think are important. Sometimes being honest is talking about four suicide attempts. Um, transparency is reserved for, for really important times when I know that the person I'm talking to needs all the information so that they can make good decisions because if I'm in a place where I have to share this stuff, I'm not in a good place to make good decisions. Does that make sense? So like, I know, like we do this thing, you know, and it, it drives me crazy, right? Well, you know, one of the things for suicide intervention was, oh, you, people got to be vulnerable. They got to ask for help. You're asking somebody who's in the worst possible place in their life to make a good decision. I didn't make one good decision when I was in that dark place. I didn't make one good decision. Constantly, I was making bad decisions. And you're asking me to make a good decision and ask for help, which, by the way, I've, I've, I've spent a lifetime as an adult, you know, as a child and as an adult being like, you can handle it. You can do stuff on your own. You don't, you know, you can do this. All of a sudden, well, except for this thing. And, and then you're in this horrible place and now you're asking me to be vulnerable. It's, it's, it's nonsense, right? So I have a good friend, Kristen Christie, who, who lost her husband, a military guy to, to, to suicide. And she talks about being compassionately intrusive. Like, so asking, like, like, I'm going to ask you if you don't seem right. Like, I'm going to say things like, are you thinking about hurting yourself? You know, are you having thoughts about, about suicide? Right. That's everybody's like, oh, it's a hard conversation. You know, what's a really hard conversation is telling your friend, like, you know, I, I saw that he was wrong, that he seemed off, but I didn't ask him or I didn't ask her. So, so, you know, let's get back to your original question. But I thought that was important to, to, to caveat with is, is, yeah, I mean, here's the thing is frequently I will have these. I will tell my story or I will share an aspect of my story. And people will say, I felt that way. I was there. I understand. I know. Um, and, and you sit there and you're like, man, this is, this is impacting like so many of us get this feeling. And what we have to do is, you know, we, we, we talk about suicide prevention suicide intervention. And I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, like, how do you get in the military? We used to talk about getting left to the bang. So, so figuring out how to prevent the ID from being even in place, right? So attack the network. And like, once the ID is in place, now you're really, you're kind of backpedaling. So what's the left of the bang for suicide? And I think, you know, we talk about mental health, mental health, mental health. Yes. And we need to think about um, what are the things that society is doing that we as a society are, are allowing to happen that, um, that are, that's creating this idea that the solution to the problem is someone's disappearance from the earth, right? The solution is I shouldn't be here. That's the solution. 
what have we done as a society, whether that's becoming too, um, you know, polarized in our opinions or, or, or the ability to, to communicate negatively to people, you know, over and over and over, you know, almost infinitely throughout the day. What, what is it that is creating this kind of, this negative, aspect in our life. And I think that's where we've got to go. Yes, we absolutely have to have mental health. But this isn't like, when we say mental health, we think, you know, people get like, oh, well, there's something mentally wrong with it. There's a time and place where someone thinks that this is a solution to the problem. Their their, their, um, problem solving process has led them to this solution. So, so why, other than the mental aspect of it, talking to healthcare professionals, et cetera, and those are, by the way, some of them are great, some of them are less than great, right? What are the things in life that are creating this pressure on everyone where everyone is, you know, so many people are feeling this way, that this is the solution. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I had shared in a, a prior episode too, that my oldest brother had gone through years of clinical depression uh, to the point that it really rocked our family. And I learned a lot about through mental health, but also maybe well-meaning people experience with mental health and things that they try to say to, I think, be an encourager that just is not necessary and it's not needed. Uh, you know, when you get people that are in the heart of, they can't make a good decision, like you had talked about, Telling them just, you know, try harder, think better thoughts, count, count your, count your blessings, be thankful. When you're talking about really some key areas, which maybe is what leads people to depression, to anxiety, to suicide, which are all losses of identity. I, I don't know who I am. There was something that I used to be that now I can't, I can't subject myself to say I'm still that person. So there's an identity loss that makes me realize or feel like maybe I'm better off not being here or something happening. Maybe there, there's a loss of a need or a desire. You know, there are a lot of people that uh, their their heart as parents is to have children. Maybe they've struggled having children. Maybe they had a loss of a marriage. Maybe they've had a loss of a child. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're dealt with something that was unexpected, it's, it's how you pick up the pieces and make sense of that. When you feel like maybe it was your right or your, you know, you're a good person. So you deserve these things. And what happens when good things happen to people? You know, it's just how do you work through that? But then also maybe just loss of place. Um, you know, you, you had talked about in your time and why I want to bring it home is a lot of our listeners may have never been an active military person. So they have never literally been on a battlefield. You know, we are very in sports and in business and in life. We use these wartime cliches all the time. The battle is not over and, you know, mission critical and all this stuff. But dude, you've literally been on a battlefield. You've been in life and death situations where probably you started off with a plan to execute. You knew the mission and the whole thing went awry and you have to adjust. I think what's interesting, though, is how do you make adjustments when the battlefield is not someone who looks different from you, who doesn't believe what you believe? but is maybe even your own inward emotions or it's the season of life that you're in right now 
where it just feels overwhelming. It feels like you don't know how to make sense of it. You thought you were going to be the best parent in the world and your kids won't listen to you. Or you thought you were going to be the best spouse because your parents ended in divorce and there's just some ugly parts to you. Like as you've kind of re-entered into, you use this term a lot, it's kind of civilian life. You're, you're now through your leadership and consulting going into these companies, uh, trying to inspire, trying to encourage, trying to consult. You know, there's a lot of uh, businesses and even individuals building their own kind of personal legacy that are trying to work their ways up through companies. You know, what what have you seen are the big kind of life lessons that when you speak to individuals like myself, I may not be a veteran, I may not have served in the military, but let's say Steve was at, you know, a company that you were brought in to speak to. You know, what are those key points that when you get an opportunity, if you only have so much time, a half hour, 45 minutes to really help move the ball forward, what are those main points that you really want to make sure you get across to, you know, somebody who's trying to improve their life? So uh, the illusion of control is really important. Um, We control nothing. Okay. And, and what we can have minimal control over is, you know, and, and, and Ron Rivera and I talk about this all the time. So this is, this is kind of Ron Rivera's idea with a little bit of, of my sprinkling in it, but it's his main idea, right? He talks about attitude, preparation, and effort as the only things that you can control your inner ape. Um, And I, it changed it a little bit, right? So I think we can not initially, but over time control our attitude about something, right? We're going to react a lot of times before we respond. Respond is our attitude about our deliberate attitude about something. And we can control that. We can say, all right, I'm not going to get mad at this. That doesn't mean you're not going to get mad initially. Your initial reaction may be mad. And then you've got to, so again, I control eh, nothing, right? But eventually I can kind of, I can shape that. Preparation. It's my perceived preparation. I think I might be ready for X, Y, and Z. Well, I get it wrong. I get it wrong a lot, right? Oh, I think, oh, I got this down pat. Oh, yeah, I needed more work in that. You know, oh, I should have done that a little bit more. That wasn't so good. And then effort, I say again, perceived effort, how hard we think we're going versus how hard we actually can go is usually really, really off. And I think that the first thing you have to do is just accept the illusion of control. There is no control. The world is is, is not in your control. Things will happen. And we hopefully can get to a point where we can respond to those things appropriately. But one of the things that we have to do is, you know, the causational relationships of things are, are, are not necessarily, you know, true, right? If I do this, then this, sometimes, and sometimes no. You know, if I'm a good person, good things will happen to me. No, sometimes bad things are going to happen. And sometimes if you're a bad person, good things will happen to you. It's just that's, that's it's life. And I think that we have this, because we're humans, we try to make sense of the world around us. So, hey, if I do this, then this. 
you know, we, we like if then, right? So because we think that there is a, a formula for success. There's multiple formulas. Some of them lead to success of varying levels at varying times. And some of them may work for one person and don't work for another. So I think this idea of, you know, what we aspire to is good. You should aspire to something. But what builds resilience and what builds who we are is, okay, now if that didn't work, now what? Okay, let's let let's move on. And I think we've we've got to be and we've got to be honest with ourselves, right? Like I'm it, it's honest with ourselves and kind to ourselves. I screwed that up. I really jacked that up. I couldn't have if I were three people, I couldn't have jacked it up more. And it's okay. It's okay. I'll get past it. Ugh, I'm so stupid. I wish I hadn't done that. Okay. How am I going to move forward? How am I going to get past it? And I think that's, that's, you know, let's aspire to have a good marriage. Let's do things that we think lead to a good marriage. And when we screw it up, not the marriage, but something that we've done, let's go, ooh, all right, that didn't work. Let's not do that again, right? And and own that. Be accountable that, hey, that action didn't work for whatever reason, wrong timing, wrong person, wrong. It, there's a million reasons. Yeah, and I... Ron Rivera, we're talking about the NFL coach, or is this a different Ron Rivera? Okay. So like, I think that's, yeah, I think that's really cool. Coach of the Washington commanders. Um, You've obviously from some of my background too, you've met some pretty prolific people in the sports and business industry from videos that I've seen. So you've dealt with these larger than life influencers. And I recently had a chance to interview Stephen Day, who is a musician out of Nashville and, you know, wildly successful. I mean, hundreds of millions of downloads on Spotify. Um, This guy is adored by fans. And when he was on the show, we got into a part of a conversation he had never talked about on the podcast, just through asking questions, which is when when the perception is you're famous, you're successful, there are really some real demons that we're all fighting through and some, some real trains of thoughts that if we're not careful can, can really sabotage our lives. And he talked about how sometimes his most vulnerable spots is after some of his greatest triumphs. You know, he could play an absolute sold out show, hang his guitar up, go on the tour bus and have this thought of, is this, am I really meant to do this? Almost the self-doubt. He just had thousands of validating fans screaming his name and how much they loved him. And yet when he was by himself, you know, there was, there was these thoughts of like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing in, in working through that? And I think that's fascinating for me because I think we sometimes as, you know, everyday people raising kids, having a family, doing life with church members, with, with community members, we can see these larger than life people and just assume that their lives are all together. But whether it's yourself, whether it's people you've dealt with, there are some real things that we all need to begin to work on to really unlock the opportunities in front of us. And so I think what's crazy is, and and it's fascinating is you've been a mentor, but you've also been, you know, mentored by individuals from your experience, either as being a mentor or being mentored by, you know, individuals that are at the pinnacle of success. 
Are, are there particular uh, practical takeaways that either helped you or you are now passing forward? If you took somebody who is maybe, you know, I mean, dealing with these thoughts or feeling not good enough, even though on paper, I mean, they're doing it. And if you ask most of their family and friends, JC, you, you, you are successful. You can do anything you want to do. And inwardly, you're thinking, ah, I don't feel like showing up today. I mean, how do you get, how do you take somebody who's in that position? And you're not going to do it all in a day. There's not going to be one life quote you're going to give them. But what are those practical steps that you can really truly begin to give a listener who might feel a little bit stuck in feel stuck in the sense of maybe they've never told anybody. And I'm not saying they're on the verge of suicide, but there are just some things that are not adding up internally in the world and they don't know where to go. So to those people that are maybe feeling stuck in their career, stuck as a parent, stuck in their marriage, how would you even begin to like, here's some practical things you can start to do to reorient yourself to what's really happening. All right. Let's go back. No, no, let's, but let's go back to, I don't, I don't know that there's anything I can say to those people if that's where they're in right now, because they're not thinking about like whatever I say right now on a podcast, you know, where they like, Oh, I tried that or I don't have anybody I can do. Like there's an answer to that. So here's who I'm going to talk to. If you know somebody who you think is struggling as a parent, as a partner, um, you know, in their professional life, let you, you see something that, you know, maybe, maybe you're close to them. Maybe they're your spouse. Maybe they're your parent. Maybe they're your best friend. Um, maybe it's just somebody that like, mm, that doesn't seem like that person. Go talk to them and don't accept. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. Go to them and say, hey, you don't, you don't seem yourself. I need you to, I, I need to know what's going on. I need to know what you're thinking. I, I'd really like to know. And again, it's that Chris, Chris Christie thing, right? Or Christian Christie, which is um, compassionately intrusive. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Everything's okay. No, nah, I'm not like, I, I got it. So tell me why. And sometimes it's going to be like, you know what? It's just been a frustrating day. Okay. Maybe I just see it one day. But if I see it over time, no, bull. Like I've seen this over a course. Like we have to look out for each other and we have to stop putting the onus. Uh, like the person that's listening, that's struggling in their marriage right now, that is, that is struggling as a parent, that is struggling professionally, that, that thinks that, you know, whatever everybody says is wrong because they don't know the real me. I'm a horrible person, right? That's how they think. That's like, there's nothing they're going to hear right now in a podcast that's going to let them know, no, you are worth it because it's, because it's empty because they, they don't, they don't know. And they think that their perception is the correct perception and everyone else's perception is the wrong perception. Whereas a both perceptions can be true at the same time because they both exist, right? They, they're both there. So what we have to do then is get away from the individual that's in problem and look at the community and say, I, I think, I think this looks funny. So I'm going to, I'm going to step out, maybe be a little uncomfortable, 
and I'm going to say, hey, this doesn't look right. I might be completely wrong, but can you tell me what's going on in your life? And 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 we don't do that. And look, I'm and again, I'm saying it. And there's times when, and I'm I'm thinking of a specific incident right now where I know something's incorrect with with somebody, and my relationship with them is not. I'm not tight to them. I know them tangentially, but I see something, and I'm trying to figure out. Okay, where where's my like where's my end with this? Because I can see something's not right. But it's incredibly intrusive. It's quite honestly, whatever's going on in their life is if somebody looked at me and said, well, that's absolutely none of your business, they'd be a hundred percent right. It is absolutely none of my business, but I do want this person to be okay. Yeah. Can I, can I even take it a step further? And again, if, if, if we're not ready to even give these thoughts, um, that's okay. We can move forward. But I think. Let's say you, you had the person that said, JC, I'm going to raise my hand. There is somebody in my life. If I close my eyes right now and I think about that person, my spouse, whoever, family member, that I just know something something isn't right. And I'm willing to go forward and say, JC, like, I'm going to be a little intrusive. Like, I, I, I need you to open up. They, they open up. I guess the question is, like, n- now what do you do with it? Right? Because let's say, yeah. let's, let's say people are practical enough and they're like, man, now... Because if you're not careful, that's my heart. I love people. I, I love, I can identify people that are going through things because of what I saw my brother go through. But I think what, if you're not careful, what can happen is you can begin to allow people to open up what's going on in their lives and almost become a burden barrier for all these people and feel this weight and this heaviness of things that, you know, the authenticity people were open, you know, willing and open up to share with you. But let's say you shared something that was really hard with me. I still got to be a dad. I still got to love my wife, raise my kids and go to work, but also now feel this weight of like, what do I actually do to help? Yeah. You've acknowledged something's going on, but like, is there even like a, a practical, you've gotten somebody there. Like now, how do you actually not begin to help them work through their stuff? But like, what's a step one that you would encourage or advise somebody on? You got to get them. It's funny. I, I legitimately just had somebody ask me this question today. You got to get them to, to a professional. Like you, you now have to make that physical handoff to a healthcare professional. Somebody who can like, Hey, have you thought about talking to, you know, a clergy member, a, a, you know, mental health professional, there's lots of, there, there's lots of resources out there, both paid for and free. And, and that physical handoff is your absolute, you, me, most of us, are, we are not capable of getting that person through. We think we are like, I, this is my buddy. I know him. Like, I'm going to help him through this, but got it. You're awesome. And you're not qualified to do it. And more importantly, I'm probably trying to protect you from yourself because when it goes badly, it won't, it's not your fault, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I, I don't, you're not going to go do gallbladder surgery on somebody unless you're a doctor, unless you're a specific, you know, a general surgeon. Why are you going to try to attempt like this incredibly complex thing as not a, as not a doctor? I'm not saying doctors don't screw it up. I'm just saying, let's, you know. You're better having a doctor remove your gallbladder than JC Glick removing your gallbladder. So you've got to get that, that physical handover to somebody who can actually help. 
okay, counselor, somebody. It's got to be a physical handover. It's got to be like, we got to go talk to, or, you know, hey, while you're on the phone, I'm going to call father so-and-so or rabbi so-and-so. Well, I'm not Jewish. I, I don't care. Let's just, this is somebody who really understands this problem. Yep. Right. What, what our role as, as, as humans, as, as fellow citizens is to uncover the, that there's an issue underneath, right? Take, take away the, the flowers and the nice turf and all that stuff and, and push it to the side and, and say, ah, oh, there it is. And now grab the excavator and say, you need to excavate this. This is, this needs to be handled. Um, So think of it as in military terms, you're doing the recon so that somebody else can come in, come and destroy the issue. But, um, but that's, what's got to happen is you've got to, you know, you're going to be there for that person and your physical presence is really important, but that physical handoff is is also important. Yeah, and I think it's so important as we kind of wrap this episode up, and I'm going to let you begin to prepare for Start, Stop, Continue, um, which has become kind of a foundation piece of the show. Um, I want to, again, as your host, tell you that life is so incredibly precious and it's so worth it. Um, there, there's nothing worse than having somebody leave too soon when maybe in feeling the guilt of there was something I could have done. I think the point is, though, if you feel like there is somebody in your life that that needs help, you don't have to be the one to, quote unquote, save them. But you at least have to have an open door and a willingness to step in and say, hey, I recognize that something is going on here and I love you too much to help us stay here. Tell me a little bit about what's going on and that handoff that you talked about. If it's uncomfortable, dude, it's worth it. Right. Because the worst thing would happen is months later, you find out that they harmed themselves in some way when you felt like you could have done that. So the one big thing, I never know what we're going to get into. This wasn't necessarily where I thought we were going to go. But I what I have found in doing this show is my listeners will reach out and say, how did you know that that's what I found myself right in the middle of with my spouse or with my kids or what have you? So it's always tangible. Uh, as always, uh, I will have in the show notes ways that you can get in touch with JC if that's what you want to. We can put some links to his books and some of his social medias. I know he's writing articles all the time. Definitely somebody that I am so thankful for being willing to come on the show. If you are brand new because you're here of uh, JC and you just want to help support him, something that I do at the end of these shows and I did a fun with him with uh, Jim Stagnita is I do this start, stop and continue basically where with each guest I have them come on, they talk about one thing that they want to start doing one thing that they want to stop doing and one thing that they want to continue doing. Because again, I think there's a lot of practicality in this last exercise because it's open to whatever the speaker wants to talk about. So JC, if we had to give you a start, stop, continue, you can name the thing that you want to start doing, maybe why and kind of go down those three. Yeah. So um, it was, it was, it's a great question. So start, I want to be open to new growth opportunities. I have like a whole bunch of things that are on the shelf that I, you know, I want to do, but I haven't like taken that leap to, to execute. For example, I want to learn how to play the violin. I bought a violin. I'm ready to get like, but I've been, I, I haven't like made that next step of, well, why don't you go see where you can go get lessons and like schedule a lesson and, and do that. Right. I have a, I, I have a, a garage full of surfboards, but I haven't surfed in like a year because everything's always too busy. And if I go surf, then I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. So I want to start, you know, open, you know, living up with what I want to do. 
right? Living, doing those things that I say, like, this is something I want to do and it's important. So go do it instead of quite honestly for surfing. A lot of time it's, I'm sleeping a little bit later instead of going to do what I'd like to do. And I'm really bad at surfing. Um, stop. Yeah. So this is an ongoing thing for me. Um, I want to make sure that that I remember that I don't just react in the moment, right? That I start to, or, or the reaction time, I want to stop having the reaction time be as long as it is. Recognizing that I will react in a moment like this, and but very quickly be able to make it shorter, right? So I'd rather the reaction be this and then a whole bunch of, oh, well, maybe it's this and that, right? The response piece, as opposed to react for this long or this long or, you know, right? The, the screen's not big enough. So I'd like to stop reacting for as long and, 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 and do that and then continue. Well, one is I'd love to do another one of these because I think there's a lot that we could continue to touch on. I love how you ask questions. and I Every, think every guest has said that we might, we might have like special edition episodes where I bring guests yeah. back on. So love that. Um, but I would like to continue to, I would like to continue to, to examine the world uh, with detail, right? I think we, we're all in the world and we all see the world, but I don't know that we examine the world in detail, like look at motivations and look at what drives humans and look at what the similarities are and look at why are we like this and what's beyond the initial clickbait or the initial immediate gratification of something. And I would, I would like to continue to, to do that and, and share those ideas. This is why I love start, stop, continue. Cause you, you would never think, you know, uh, I don't know if the term is ex-military, but a, but a military vet talking about wanting to pick up a violin, but that, that's why life is fascinating. And, you know, I think, I think what you've done in this uh, show, and I would absolutely love to have you come back, is you did a masterful job of realizing that you are somebody who's not alone, whether you are somebody who's dealt with personal uh, setbacks in your life, whether it's mentally, spiritually, financially, in feelings of not feeling good enough, or you marry your best friend, you say through sickness and in health, and man, they, they are in a spot right now that's unrecognizable. They don't feel like getting up. They don't feel like pushing forward. You have children that uh, are being bullied and dealing with suicidal thoughts. I mean, there, there are more, the world is so noisy saying nothing at all, and people are so desperate for truth. And you recognize truth immediately when you see it. And my hope is that the, the One Big Thing podcast becomes a place of real people telling real stories and giving you real practical takeaways so that you can realize life is worth living, that you're not alone. And you could literally be one small decision away from seeing real breakthrough in your life. So uh, JC, I want to I want to thank you and Coach Staggs uh, for making the introduction uh, and having you come on this show. And we will uh, definitely have uh, information at the bottom and think about what chapter two might look like if you ever come back on. So, so thanks for being my guest. Absolutely. Well, you'll have me. I'm coming back on. Right. So thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure. <laughs>